Reginald and Vincent Calloway had a hit song back in 1990 that actually made it to number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. This brother duo was a one-hit wonder. This is the only song that you would ever know from them. And, and, and if you're kind of were from that era uh, back then, you, you know this song. <laughs> uh, and it's one of those songs that is, is really, really catchy. Like you, you get it and you, you have to like almost bob your head to it. You have to tap your foot, maybe even bust a move to it. Uh, it's just one of those songs. And, and, and the words too are really memorable. Okay? Uh, and it's, it, the words really are like the anthem of our world. And not just the world of Callaway's time in 1990, uh, but, but every generation before and every generation that's come and, and will come. The name of the song was I Want to Be Rich. And the refrain goes, I want money, lots and lots of money. I want the pie in the sky. I want money, lots and lots of money. Don't be asking me why. I want to be rich for a little love, peace, and happiness. Now, I promise you that though it's been two sermons in a row, all of my sermon themes won't be the names of songs from the 90s, okay? <laughs> and catchy ones that get in your head and you can't get it out songs on top of that. But would you agree with me? This is the anthem of our world. I want to be rich. Striving after more and more and more. Now, maybe you'd, you'd argue with me and say, well, that's not my anthem, right? I, I don't have to be rich. I don't need the $15 million estate in Martha's Vineyard, okay? I don't need the private jet. I don't need the 80-foot yacht. I don't need the Maserati in my garage. I don't want to be rich. I would just like to be a little richer than I am right now. Just a little bit more. I think we probably all agree that that is pretty commonplace in our human hearts, isn't it? If I just had a little bit more, right? If I just had a little more as a cushion, if I just had a little more in savings, if I just had a little bit more to invest, if I just had a little bit more that I could help my kids get through college, if I just had a little bit more so I didn't have to work so much, if I just had a little bit more so that I could worry less and enjoy life more. I think it's safe to assume that every one of you feels that. No matter where you are, I don't care what your income bracket is, just a little bit more would help me find a little more peace, love, and happiness, as Calloway sings. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that I want to be rich. I want to find some peace, love, and happiness. But I'm not talking about the riches of this world. Instead, I want to be rich in repentance. And I want to be rich toward God. And my prayer for you this morning is that you want the same. This morning, we're taking a look at our gospel lesson that we just read a little while ago from Luke chapter 12. And as usual, Jesus is teaching. And as usual, large crowds are gathering. Actually, in the section before this, Luke says that thousands, thousands have gathered to hear Jesus. And as is usual, somebody in the crowd needs something. <laughs> this guy comes up to him and says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. 
Now, this was not an unusual request. It would have been common for for someone to come to a teacher, a rabbi, someone who knew God's law to help them settle a matter. Because in the Old Testament, God had told his people, the Jews, that when a a father dies, two-thirds of the inheritance goes to the older brother and a third goes to the younger brother. And what it seems like here is this younger brother hadn't gotten his share yet. And he wants it. And so it's, it's fitting as you go to a teacher and say, Jesus, help me. Help me out of this problem. Tell my brother, show him in the law what he has to do. And Jesus' response is interesting. Because there's a sense of, he's, he's, he's perturbed. <laughs> Jesus is a little indignant by this man coming. He's, he's been preaching about the kingdom of heaven and, and the wonderful things God has to offer. And this guy comes to him wanting them to settle a financial matter. And he calls him man. And it's this address of, of he's, it's a little harsh. Maybe almost how we'd say it in English, too. He says, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? What Jesus is saying is, that's not why I'm here. Don't you people get this yet? I didn't come to be a judge. I didn't come to settle your financial problems. I came to fix your heart problems. And he doesn't just dismiss it, though. He doesn't just say, get out of here, go on your way. But he says, okay, I'm going to deal with your heart problem here because I know what's going on inside. And you notice how he doesn't pull the two brothers aside and kind of like, all right, guys, let's work this out here. But in front of the entire crowd, the thousands, he deals with the heart problem because he knows that everyone, all, every one of them in that crowd had that same problem. And look at here, 2,000 years later, this, this account is recorded for us in the pages of Scripture because every one of us has the same heart problem too. This is what Jesus says. He said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus says, there's flashing warning lights here. Greed is in every single sinful human heart, and it comes in all different ways. It might come in subtle ways. It might come in blatant ways. It, might, it comes at every income level. It comes at every stage of life. Jesus says, watch out, because life isn't about how much you have or how much you don't have. Life is not about what you have or about what you pursue after. The actor Jim Carrey, whose net worth is around, from what I've heard, about $150 million, that's rich in the eyes of our world, right? In, in, the, in money today, that, that's a lot of money. He said this a few years ago. He said, it would be great if everyone could get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of and realize it's not the answer. Jim was echoing what Jesus said. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Jesus knows this is a problem for us. Jesus knows this is a heart issue that we have. Jesus knows it's just part of our sinful nature to want more, to want better, to look up and see, look what everyone else has that I don't have. And he says, watch out. Because what happens 
is what you're pursuing, what you think is going to bring you some love and peace and happiness, what you think is going to bring you security and safety, is going to leave you feeling empty. You are making gifts of God into God. You are making them be the end all of why you exist and why you're here to see who can accumulate the most and trying to find your peace and security in that. Jesus knows this is a problem for us and so he takes time to address it. And he doesn't even dismiss it right here. He just doesn't give this warning and move on. He takes some time to teach. And so as he usually does, or often does, he uses a parable. He tells a story that teaches us this deeper spiritual truth. He says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. Now say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. The problem in this parable is not that the man was rich. Okay? God had made him rich. God blessed him with that. It also, the problem wasn't that God, that he had an abundant harvest. God gave that to him too. The problem is his attitude towards his wealth. That this man thought that his safety and his security and his peace were found in his wealth. What he had. What it literally says here in verse 19 from the Greek, uh, it, when it says that he said to himself, it, it says he said to his soul, soul, you have all of this, take life, eat, rest, drink, be merry. He's talking to his soul. Well, what does that mean? Well, it, it's more than just talking to himself. When he's talking to his soul, what, his, what your soul is, is, is like the, the genesis of your decisions. It, it's what guides you. Right? It, it's, it's your core beliefs. It, it, it's what everything comes from. It, it's the why behind what you do. It comes from your soul, who you are. And it reveals a lot about this man, doesn't it? He says to his soul, you can rest, you can eat, you can drink, you can be merry because you've achieved. You're there. You're secure. You're safe because look at all you have. It reveals the attitude of his heart, doesn't it? Soul, take it easy because you've gotten what you were looking for. But Jesus goes on. He says, but God said to this man, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Jesus pulls no punches here, does he? He says, if you think that you can find security and peace and safety in things in this world, intangible things. You're a fool. You are foolish. 
If you think that these things are going to be there for you and, and, and care for your every need, you're a fool. Because you know they can be taken from you at any moment. At any moment, all of your physical possessions, everything you have could be, could be gone. And someday it will be gone. There are no hitches behind hearses. You know that, right? You can't take it with you. And then what good is it? You're foolish if you think that safety and security will, find, will come in how much you have or how much you don't have in this life. And maybe you don't think about this that often. Maybe it's just become so part of your nature to strive for more and desire more and want more and think, man, if I just get a little farther, I can have a little more love, peace, and happiness in my life along with Callaway. If I just a little bit richer, have a little bit more, then I'll be good. It's just become so part of the way you live and the way you think. And, and, and it often comes in subtle ways, right? I mean, most of us aren't going to go out and cheat and steal and do all these dishonest things to try and get more, but, but man, it's a matter of the heart. It's an attitude of my heart. And what it does is it replaces God as my security and hope and peace and joy with things, with tangible things. It's foolish. And the results are not good. It's dangerous. This is what God the Holy Spirit says through Paul as he writes to Timothy about this very topic. He says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Dear friends, I want to be rich. <laughs> I want to be rich in repentance. To repent and confess of, for all the times that I have made wealth my God. That I have thought that if I could just get a little bit more and get in a little better position, that then I would be safe and secure and have some love, peace, and happiness. To confess my love and adoration for this idol of things, tangible things, and put my hope there. I want to say along with King Solomon that apart from God, all these gifts from him all the earthly wealth we have, it's meaningless. It means nothing. I want to be rich in repentance. To drop to my knees and say, Lord, forgive me. When I have let other things have my love. When I have let things be my sense of security. And to see failure after failure of how they have let me down. And Lord, please, give me something. Show me something that can give me true and lasting security and peace in this life. 
So Jesus says here, he says, this is how it's going to be for those who store up things for themselves, left with emptiness, left with fear, left with worry, all of these things that come when you put our trust in things rather than in God. And then he says instead, be rich toward God. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be rich toward God? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. This doesn't mean that I'm telling you today to leave and go give away everything that you have, okay? I'm not even telling you to go and give away more than you do right now. This isn't so much about giving as it is in what we're seeking to receive. So Jesus is saying, don't seek the riches of this world because they're going to be empty. They're not going to leave you feeling secure. Don't make that your goal, the desire of your soul. And he says, be rich toward God. And maybe a better way to translate it from the original to help compare and contrast is instead of be rich toward God, it's be rich in the things of God. So instead of trying and seeking to be rich in the things of this world, seek and strive to be rich in the things of God. Seek those riches that Jesus says elsewhere cannot be destroyed by moth or rust or be stolen. Seek after those riches that God wants you to have, that he wants your storehouse to be overflowing with, that he will never hold back from you. The riches, riches of forgiveness. Forgiveness for you for every sin and for you to have the ability to forgive others as you have first been forgiven. The, the richness of, of joy that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how much you have or how much you don't have, you know everything's going to be okay. The richness of peace. To know that you're okay with your Heavenly Father. That this relationship is good. That I don't have to be afraid of God. God wants you to have the wealth of hope. Hope that there is more that, than this world has to offer you. That there's something beyond the grave. These are the riches. These are the riches of God that he wants you to seek after. That he wants you to say, soul, strive for those things. So how do you get them? How do you fill your storehouse with these riches? Well, I'll tell you, it's not by working harder. It's not by figuring out a good business plan and, and, and bargaining. It's not through luck. But it's through the one who speaks to us today, right here, who warns us. But warns us because he so desperately wants us to seek the things of God, to seek the riches that he won for us. That one who Paul writes in 2 Corinthians says that that Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. That God himself loved you so much that he was willing to leave everything to leave heaven so that you could have everything. 
so that you could have forgiveness for every sin, for every time that you have had that sin of greed in your heart, for every time that you have put something else before God, it's forgiven. It's nailed to the cross. That riches of forgiveness is yours through Jesus who became poor so that you might become rich. Right? That Jesus comes and through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, he comes and he gives you the wealth of joy. To know that no matter what happens in this life, no matter how much you have, no matter how much you don't have, you know he's with you. You know you're safe. You know you're secure because God makes amazing promises that he keeps. You have joy no matter what's going on in your life. That this Lord Jesus Christ who became poor so that you become, could become rich through what he came to do for you gives you peace. Peace in your heart and the desire for peace in your relationships because you know that God is not angry at you. You know that God is not just waiting for you to make a misstep so he can punish you. No! That son came to be punished for you so that you could be set free. He came to give you the wealth of hope. That because that tomb is empty, he lives and so you will live too. God wants you to have these spiritual riches and to seek after these things. And he continues to share them with us. He continues to come and say in word and sacrament, I give you these riches. Come, they're yours. I will never hold back. Here in the gospel, it is finished. There's nothing left to be done. Come and hear in your baptism. You are mine now and forever. Come and hear in the supper given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Soul, seek after these riches, these riches of grace these riches that are ours through Jesus, our Savior, these riches that God wants to give us in great abundance. And when we believe that, right? When, when, we, when we begin to grasp that, when we are growing in these riches, when this is what we seek, doesn't it change your view of your possessions and what you have in this life, right? When you know that you already have everything in Christ, when you already know heaven is yours, when you already know that you are rich in Christ, your view of the things of this life change, don't they? You see them, yes, as gifts from God, first and foremost. They're gifts from God that, that we ought to and want to thank him for, praise him for, right? And to enjoy God is, let me, let me picture it this way or for you. God is like a, like a parent on, on Christmas morning and watching the kids just like rip open those presents and see their eyes light up with joy as they look at what they got. And then they come over and shower, you know, their parent with, with hugs and kisses and thank yous. And then you just sit back and, and smile as you watch them play with all of their new things. God loves to watch us enjoy the things that he's given to us, the possessions that we have. It's, it's one of the reasons he gives them to us. But even more than that, our view towards our possessions has to change, doesn't it? 
when we know what we already have in Christ, that we know that we're safe and secure now and forever, that we don't have to worry about the things of this life. Because the Almighty God has something much bigger in store for you than some things that are made of paper or metal. He has waiting for you a crown. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, Jesus says. What this life consists of is the abundance of God's grace that he wants you to know and to experience and to look forward to an eternal life where you get to be with him forever. And so we say along with Paul, right, in our lesson from Colossians, set our minds not on the things of this life, but on the things above where Christ is seated, right, where my life is hidden, where it's waiting for, where my eternal life is already secure. Let me fix my eyes on the things above because I am rich. I am rich in spiritual and eternal blessings that I have not earned, that I have not deserved, but that are mine only through Christ. And God gives us the opportunity to look around at our life and see all the opportunities we have to thank Him and praise Him as we keep our eyes fixed on heaven, on the things above, on the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. We get to go and bless others. We get to go and share this grace of Christ. We get to go and show through our life that look how, what God has done for me. Look how much my God loves me and he loves you. To find true security and true peace, to find love, peace, and happiness in our God who has done all things perfectly for us. Amen.